Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Our main activities, of course, as a software company and as education provider. And the really cool thing there is that the software industry in Ukraine has actually been able to keep going, even grown a little bit since the start of the full-scale invasion. That's something quite extraordinary. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 423 of Impact Boom. My name's Sarah and I'm passionate about visioning, empowering and contributing to initiatives and enterprises causing positive transformation locally and globally. Today, we're speaking with Andreas Flodstrom. Andreas is a social entrepreneur and CEO, Entrepreneur of the Year in Sweden in 2018, Solos Priest finalist in 2022. With his peer Gustav Henman, he co-founded Beetroot, an international impact-driven ecosystem operating in tech and education. Andreas is a frequent speaker and media commentator on technology topics, creating sustainable development teams, social entrepreneurship, and continuous learning. On today's episode, we will discuss how Andreas and his team utilize technology and education to make a real social impact, his involvement with the Ukrainian Startup Fund, and how they are supporting Ukrainians both inside and outside the country at this time. Andres, it's so great to have you here. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Look, to get things rolling, can you share a little bit about your background and what it is that's led you to where you are today? So I'm originally Swedish, but I've been living mostly in Ukraine for the last 11 years. I guess, long story short, me and a friend from university studying engineering together decided that we want to do something impactful and that we wanted to do it in Eastern Europe. We didn't really have a clear plan of what exactly we're going to do, but we had this idea that, yeah, we want to do something good. And we had learned at the time the Russian language. So we were traveling around in Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, Moldova, sort of looking for opportunities driving around in an old uh, soviet car once arriving to to kiev ukraine we felt like this is a really special place ukraine has a lot of potential and a lot of openness towards us long story short we decided that let's start where we can let's start building tech for good you could say today is a tech ecosystem where we do a couple of different angles of business so we build software for hundreds of companies for all the world, like in, in climate tech, in ed tech, in e-health, and, and so on, so sort of impactful areas. And there's around 450 people doing that. And then since 2014, a few years after we started, we also set up Beatrix Academy, where we are essentially helping people having a great career in tech by teaching them, uh, giving them a really like quickly a practical skill set for 
a great career in tech. So we've done that now with around 11,000 people, most of them in Ukraine, but also growing now in other countries. That's the two domain part of the ecosystem as of today, before the full-scale war. We also used to run a tech hub in Mariupol. And for, for those who follow the news, you would know that Mariupol is pretty much a destroyed city as of today. It's our tech hub there. We were running it together with the city. Great hundreds of impactful projects there in the transforming the city way. It's like going from this sort of old Soviet industrial city to a more modern economy. And that was really happening. But I guess the fourth leg then of, of the ecosystem, you could say, since the full-scale invasion in Ukraine, we also started an aid fund where we sort of use our network of, of people, of resources, of, of management to give humanitarian help in various ways in Ukraine. The line through is that we use tech as an ecosystem for long-term sustainable impact. That's our main ID, so to say. Mm, wow, amazing. Phenomenal work that you've done and have been able to scale that impact so rapidly. Andreas, really curious to know more about the academy side of Beetroot and what you do there. Who are your students typically, or maybe you have a broad base of students? Love to know more about that. It is a pretty broad base, but essentially it's mainly people who want to enter the tech industry. And from the very start, like why is that important and why is that impactful? Because in Ukraine, as we started there, the average income in tech was around five times bigger than the average income in the country meaning that pretty much joining tech means that you can pretty quickly join a Western standard middle class. We do that with people of actually very different backgrounds, but like two of our targets has been people in not the main tech hubs. So around 60% of our students are not from major sort of tech cities, but more from smaller cities or even rural areas. And we've also had as a target to get more women into tech and that's been with us from the very start. As of today, around 60% of our graduates are actually women. The main goal with the graduates is getting a job. And most of our students, around 70, 75% of our students actually start a job in the tech industry. So that's a pretty substantial amount of, of, of people who has a really big impact. I mean, not only in their own life, but also in the local community because you get the economy going. And it's also not only financial, but of course, it's about connecting to the global world and the global mindsets those are really the the core ideas of the academy and those needs are there of course not only in ukraine but in a lot of different countries uh, a lot of developing countries but also in more developed countries you can find impact areas in many different ways there and our mission or vision with the the academy is to give that opportunity to hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of people within the next 10 years and that's going to be really crucial considering how quickly the labor market is changing and all the challenges we have in front of us so people are going to need a lot of new skill set and we don't even know today what we will teach in five years from now or in 10 years from now so it's really about being agile and being able to be on top of, of the trends and quickly take those trends and give it to people who want to be in it sort of Huge collaborative feat for you and your team as well to continually be iterating and creating what's required for the future. As you mentioned, you're a strong advocate for the people of Ukraine and the country of Ukraine, and you're sitting as an expert member of the Ukrainian Startup Fund, as yep. well as offering right. scholarships and grants and the other humanitarian support 
to is it over eight thousand people since March last year? In what? Sorry, you've offered the grants and other support to over eight thousand people in. We support 50 different projects who impact okay. roughly 8,000. Uh, so the humanitarian projects, they can be anything from, I mean, in, in the beginning of the war, it was like shelter, supports, logistics, getting medicine to the right hospitals, to emergency support uh, after the dam was blown up in, in Kherson recently, to support with getting electricity in the winter, to more sort of long-term restoring efforts, like both mentally and, and physically. So various cleanup projects and rebuilding projects in the occupied territories, as well as children camps in the mountains for kids who have been uh, under occupation or in difficult situations. That was kind of going to be my question, so, actually, yeah. uh, which is, can you tell us more about what's happening on the ground in Ukraine, the work you're doing with the partners over there and, and what you'd like to share, what you're able to Yeah, share? I mean, it's, first of all, in like, you know, all the horror of everything that is happening, the, the really cool thing is the way that Ukrainians are uniting and fighting as a community. That sort of felt all over and has been from day one. Tagging along with that and doing what we can, a lot of it is just connecting the dots and supporting, sort of have people from abroad, from, for example, from Sweden or other countries who say, we really want to support, we don't know how to do it efficiently, and we'd like to help to, to distribute it right to the grassroots movement who are really more like startup-minded, being able to quickly adapt. That's the whole humanitarian side of things. Of course, there's also an aspect of supporting the actual military, which is also interesting because as an impact company at core, in the past, we used to say that we're never going to work with military and so on. And now it's suddenly, okay, that's actually what keeps us being able to live the lives or free life in Ukraine. So we changed on that. But then another aspect, first of all, aid activities because we can, but our main activities, of course, as a software company and as education provider. And the really cool thing there is that the software industry in Ukraine has actually been able to keep going, even grown a little bit since the start of the full-scale invasion. That's something quite extraordinary. And also the amount of students we have in the academy has been growing. So you could say that despite full-scale invasion and you have an actual war like with rockets flying, people manage to think about the future and take an, an education and so on and so forth. So that's something really cool. So we had like more than 3,000 students last year in Ukraine who reskilled themselves as tech specialists. Wow, amazing. And with the Ukrainian Startup Fund, what's happening there? You mentioned there's a slight growth in the tech sort of space. Is that filtering into other social impact spaces? Uh, as well? To be honest, I haven't been super active in the Ukrainian Startup Fund for the last year a little bit more before but what i can say for sure is that the startup industry keeps producing cool things and, and keeps working forward generally ukrainian startups and there are like a couple of really cool global ones such as grammarly or appropriately or, or so on but uh, they're all mostly sort of globally focused one thing that happens now of course with the sort of existential challenge we are standing towards is that a lot of activities are related to actually protecting the country. For example, it's not for the startup fund, but we have one of our team members who on his spare time, he has developed an app, which basically you can sort of log in with your Ukrainian credentials if you're in Ukrainian territory and you can, uh, if you see a rocket or a drone or something flying in the sky that shouldn't be there, you can report it directly to the armed forces. You sort of crowdsource the information to shoot down what shouldn't be there, essentially. So that's a pretty 
pretty cool thing. It's called EPPO, but that would be something like E Air Defense in English. Wow, fascinating. And as a professional in the tech for good space, what are some of the challenges, the opportunities, and the possibilities that you see laying ahead before us? It's the million million dollar question, right? I don't know if I have a better answer than, than anyone else on, on this question. I mean, of course, there's a lot going on in the spaces of AI, but also in the spaces of climate tech and looking at the main challenges. At least, I mean, we focus our energy on climate tech, e-health and ed tech. Like these are sort of spaces where we see that there will be and are tremendous challenges ahead. And then AI comes in as a tool in all of those spaces. But for now, it looks more as a great opportunity than a great risk. But I think we need, of course, to be very conscious about how we use the powerful tools. So there will be, I think one of the challenges is that things are changing so quickly and it feels like they're like accelerating. So on the one hand, that's sort of an opportunity to achieve positive change fast, but it's also a big risk of people being left behind on the labor market and so on. And that's in Beatrix Academy. One of the aspects is to be able to quickly adapt our teaching programs to new skill sets so that people can adapt quickly to new challenges on the labor market. I guess that's for me, that's one of the challenges. It feels like everything is a little bit like exponentially <laughs> moving faster, which is both cool and risky, maybe. Absolutely. A lot of layered complexities there. I feel like you come across these all the time. So what are some really inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently that you feel are creating really profound change? One or, or two favorites. So what I see now is that they're popping up so many cool projects within using AI in education, but there are so many of them. So I wouldn't maybe mention even one of them. Hopefully, Beatrix Academy is going to be one of them, but we're still working on on new features there. I will need to pass on the exact example as for now. Okay, no worries. And what kind of books or resources would you recommend for our listeners? I've been reading not so much in the last year because I've been busy reading news about war for one or two hours per day, typically. But in general, I, I think there's a lot of interesting books in terms of like how the work environment are changing and like how self-management or impact-driven companies, there's plenty there. Of course, like one of my old favorites is Reinventing Organizations, but then that's one quite idealistic view on it. And then there are plenty of, of others out there as well. Yeah, cool. And curiously, given that you are reading about war, understandably, are there any particular spaces that you would recommend to people to become more informed about what is happening? Well, I mean, I think if you are an English speaker and wants to keep up to date with the main activities, I would recommend Kiev Independent, which is partly some friends of mine, but they're very up to date. And sort of, if you go in there daily and you will have a sort of proper view on, on things. Great. Thank you. That's really valuable. Andreas, thank you so much for your generous insights and your time and huge respect and acknowledgement for the powerful work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.